Welcome to episode number 13 of Nurses Living the Good Life. My name is Anne Conkley. I'm a certified nurse midwife and a certified life and business coach, and I'm so glad that you're here. This one is for all of my women advanced practice nurses who feel really stuck. And I just want to tell you that first and foremost, you're not alone. And we're going to dive deep into this one today so that you understand exactly how to get unstuck. So before we go there, let's just take a pause. We just finished up Mother's Day. We are still in the middle of celebrating Nurses Week. So if you are a nurse and you are listening, I just want to say thank you again for all that you do. If you see me on social media, I've been posting on this and um, nurses, I think, are the backbone of our healthcare system, not only in numbers, but in the way that we show up. And so everything that you do, you know, I just want to say thank you for doing it and thank you for being a nurse who showed up not only in a pandemic, but you know, in all the ways that you take what you do as a nurse and you show up. Perfect example, this morning I was helping my son. He was getting ready for his soccer practice yesterday. We were standing outside of the car and um, we were about to get in the car and leave when he had his large water bottle, this big um, Yeti filled with water and ice and he had it in his hand and it dropped and it hit his toe and he had not put his cleats on yet he usually does that in the car he's somewhat of a maximizer like me surprise surprise and so he literally fell to the ground in the most intense pain that i've seen him have in a while and i knew just based on that cry that something was terribly wrong so i went over to him and tried my best to, you know, comfort him in a moment where he was in just terrible pain. Uh, and we got him some ice and some tissues while the snot was running down his nose and the poor thing was just a mess. And, um, he went to soccer practice. He said it was a little bit sore. So we looked at it this morning and sure enough, you can see the round outline of the uh, Yeti that fell on his foot. You can see it on his big toe, just above where the toe connects to the larger part of the foot. And it is black and blue. And, uh, you know, it's going to be around for a little bit and I'm sure pretty sore. So I said to him, why don't we tape it? We've got some KT tape or kinesiology tape, if you guys have ever used that. And I, I tend to have a handful of, um, a whole bag actually of all sorts of little goodies, like um, KT tape and bandage scissors and bandage tape. And then the tape that they've started to use, I don't know if you've ever gone to get a blood draw recently. And instead of putting tape on, they'll just put like a gauze pad on and then they wrap it with that sticky tape that adheres to itself, but doesn't adhere to the skin, which is fantastic. I have that. I have splints. I have like an entire, you know, I've gotten over the years pretty, um, prepared for sprains, strains, abrasions, cuts, you know, all of the things that come with having children who are active and uh, who sometimes, you know, injure themselves. So I said to him, would you like me to help you? Um, And maybe we could tape it up and, you know, provide it with some support. And he said, yeah, that's fine. And so we, I got my said, go into the bathroom and grab that big bag of goodies and we'll, we'll take a peek and see what we got and what we can do. 
So sure enough, uh, we got it out and there was a, you know, we, we made a choice on what kind of tape we wanted to use. And I said, let's just watch a YouTube video and just see if there are any tips and pointers about how to tape in particular a big toe. So we did, we watched a four minute YouTube video, got some good, um, tips on, you know, anchoring, uh, putting, which I actually didn't know, taking the bandage and anchoring around the toe and anchoring around the foot and then taking and making an X or crisscross, um, you know, over the toe to stabilize it. And so I watched it and I said, all right, let's, let's get it done. You know, I had him put his foot up. I wrapped his foot and, uh, put a couple of the anchor strips on and then put the, um, cross strips to provide some stability for it. And he said it, it felt good and, uh, and we were good. And he looked at me and he goes, I mean, do you really know how to do this? And I was like, oh, for God's sakes. Yes, of course I know how to do this. Number one, I just watched a YouTube video. So of course I know exactly what I'm doing. And number two, yes, in fact, I do know a little bit about the human body. And I do know a little bit on how to support injured parts of the body. And he kind of looked at me and I was like, yes, I know what I'm doing. Okay. Maybe you don't think I do because sometimes I feel like they just don't, you know, they look at me like, do you really, do you really know what an ear infection is? Yes, of course. I'm going to get my otoscope out of the desk and I'm going to look in your ear and I will tell you whether or not you have an ear infection. Okay. I can diagnose that shit. You know, it's like sometimes they just look at me bewildered. Like, like, did you realize that I was in clinical practice? You know, I have 15 years of experience as a nurse and 11 as a certified nurse midwife in clinical practice, doing both primary care and, uh, and women's health. And they just, you know, they sometimes kind of look at me. So anyways, uh, you know, this is how we show up, right? Not only when we go on call, not only when we go on shift, but uh, not only when we show up in the office, but also in, you know, the confines of our own homes with our own children and you know, so I see you. I see you for all of my, you know, parents out there, all of my moms who are, you know, who try to bring their nursing skills, their skills of triage, their skills of, you know, wrapping and taping and, you know, kinesiology and, uh, you know, that they bring all of their skills and they do it not only in a paid format, right, uh, with a W-2 position, but they also do it in an unpaid role as a caregiver to the people who they love. And so, you know, we show up as nurses, I, I very often think, in far more circumstances than I think we probably realize. And, you know, that that's just one example of, of uh, how it happens. So, so, um, so thank you for being a nurse and, um, I hope you enjoy the rest of nurses week. And, uh, by the time this podcast is released, uh, we will be out of nurses week and, uh, but that doesn't mean that we stop celebrating what we do every, every day to make a difference. So, well, sure. I mean, I sure should am not stopping. So, you know, that's, that, that's at least what you can expect from me. So, um, but we're going to talk today about, you know, this, this, the reason that you're stuck and, I talk to so many advanced practice nurses, and I love it, right? This is part of my work that I do. I network with a lot of women advanced practice nurses. I talk a lot with people over Zoom coffees, and I have consult calls with people who are interested in coaching, and I talk with fellow business owners, and I host a Feminist Founders Book Club, and I have a lot of... um, insight into, you know, the, the minds and brains and the goings on of, uh, my, my colleagues in our profession. And this is one thing that I see so very, very often. We talk a lot about it in, uh, women who cultivate, we really talk through it. Um, I do, I talk through it on consult calls 
And there's one thing that people say to me, which I think is so detrimental uh, to their success. And I want to point it out so that you can note if you're doing it. And then you can have some tools in your toolbox to address it and to fix it if you so choose. But the reason that you're stuck very often, and for many of you, is because you tell yourselves, but I don't know what I want. And that one line, I don't know what I want, is so disastrous to the results that you're creating in your life. And I'm going to show you exactly why. So let's take the example of your nursing license, right? Again, we just talked about it. Just give you an example of how, you know, as you know, you show up as a nurse very often, not only in a paid format and in a role where you get the benefits of maybe insurance and, you know, wages, uh, Q2 weeks, but you also show up, as do I, in a role that is an unpaid one, right? Maybe you show up with your nursing skills for your uh, community. Maybe you do it in the confines of your home, right? And so your nursing license and your nursing experience, we can use that kind of as our framework for this and say, okay, we have this experience, you and I. Maybe yours is 10 years, maybe it's three, maybe it's 20 years in women's health or primary care, whatever it is. But you and I have some experience and we have a license. And for most of us, you know, if you have an active license, it's available for your use. But what's so interesting that I hear so many of you say is, but I don't know what I want. And that thought, it just brings up these feelings of insecurity and the feelings of kind of anxiety and uncertainty and worry. And I think when I try to narrow down on what that feeling is, when I say to myself, I don't know what I want, it really comes from a place of deep insecurity, right? And interestingly, right, the um, definition of insecure is to be not firmly fixed or liable to give way or to break, right? And you can think of this as an, an insecure bridge, right? It's liable to give way or to break. And so we would put detour signs up on it. We would not let people cross over it. When we're talking about in terms of a person, we can say that insecure, that feeling of insecure is really a feeling of not having confidence, not having, not feeling assured or self-assured, feeling very uncertain, and anxious that that whole that whole picture is the are all of the things that that combined add up into insecurity and so what's interesting is that when that feeling of insecurity comes up very often what happens is that many of us and I don't know if you'll relate to this I've certainly had my moments of feeling very insecure about what I wanted and what I could do and it brings up a lot of emotions for me. And sometimes sometimes you may find yourself crying. Sometimes you may find yourself venting to your friends, venting to your colleagues, right? Like talking like, I just don't know what I want. Oh, right? Maybe you go on Google. Maybe you're Googling career alternatives for nurses and healthcare professionals about a million times, just like I did. Maybe you're watching you know, a couple hundred videos on opening a private practice and, you know, um, uh, going to functional medicine training. 
Maybe you are investing in another certification program or considering like, oh, maybe I should go back to school and get my psych mental health MP, you know, post-master's certificate. You are, you know, you spend so much time searching high and low for the how. Like, if I don't know what I want, it's got to be out there. And so I'm going to go find it. And then there's the Googling. And then there's the asking everybody else for their opinion. And then there's the, um, you know, paying money and investing in programs that you think are going to provide you with, you know, feeling differently, right? Because that's really the only reason that we ever invest in anything that we invest in, right? Think of the reasons that you go to the gym. Like most of us don't go to the gym because we love to work out or we love to run or walk or lift weights. Many of us go to the gym because on the other side of going to the gym, the uh, opportunity is that I can have the body that I desire to have, right? I can look good in a bathing suit or I can, you know, wear a tank top in the summer and feel like my arms look like they are, you know, diesel and fantastic, right? Like I don't go to the gym. I don't get up every morning at 5.30 to walk because I, I love to walk. Now I have actually developed a desire to walk and I, I really do enjoy going for a walk. But I mean, hell, when the alarm goes off at 5.15 and I am in my bed and cozy and comfy, you know, the last thing I want to do is get out and you know go walk sometimes. But the reality is I don't necessarily go to you know pound the pavement and to um, you know, put my shoes on and enjoy time walking in my like new, you know, sneakers or something. I actually go because I know the benefit of walking for me is that I become the person who manages her emotions and allows her energy to move through her body and also has some time out in nature and uh, can sort through her thoughts and gain some clarity and have some space away from work becoming, you know, being a mom and, uh, and all the other, you know, duties that come with the roles that and hats that we wear, right? So you may think, well, I'll just, you know, look for another certification. Like maybe I'll go and get lean certified or maybe I will go and get, you know, a, um, I'll go back to school. Maybe I'll go get an MBA. I hear this one quite a bit. And what's so interesting is that when you are in that, that realm of trying to figure out, what you want to do, but you're telling yourself, I don't know what I want, and you're searching high and low for it, what you're also not doing is that you're not thinking outside of the box. You are not actually considering what you could do with your nursing degree and with your nursing experience. You also then don't consider what's possible for you. Like, oh yeah, there is possible that I could become, I could be a woman advanced practice nurse who builds a business and who creates not only financial stability for myself and a very um, lucrative revenue stream and multiple revenue streams at that, but I could become the person who builds a million dollar business, right? Like you're right. When you are in that, like, I don't know what I want. Like a million dollar business is about the last thing that you're thinking about. You don't consider, right? You, you don't actually consider that you could take what you do as a nurse, repackage it, repurpose it, and use it to your advantage. You certainly don't think of, you know, going inward and looking at your strengths. You certainly don't think of um, considering why you were put on this earth. You're not thinking about all of the things 
that you could be doing, right? There's an opportunity cost here, which is kind of interesting, right? And an opportunity cost, if you're familiar with the phrase, is this idea that any time that you engage in something, there's a cost of something that you're not doing. So if I am the person who gets up at 5.15 and by 5.30 I'm walking, the opportunity cost of being that person is that I could have been sleeping in my bed up until maybe 6.30 when the kids get up to go to school, right? That's the opportunity cost. If I agree to go out to dinner on Friday night with my besties, the opportunity cost is that I don't spend time with my family. And neither right nor wrong, but always important to understand that there are costs to the decisions that we make. And at the end of the day, it comes down to whether or not you know the decision that you make serves you and whether or not the balance is there and, and you feel like you've made a good choice, you know, knowing full well that if you choose A, uh, you're not choosing B and there's some cost to that. So the, what happens that when you do all of this stuff is not only is it exhausting, because it's exhausting to vent to friends, it's exhausting to cry, it's exhausting to watch all those videos and, you know, and be in the space of constantly searching for this how, right? Like, how do I do it? How do I get unstuck, right? I don't know what I want and like, how can I figure that out? And, um, and I think the result that happens is that for very many of us, it does two things. Number one, it perpetuates that feeling of insecurity, right? It combines, it, it, it actually increases the amount of anxiety that you feel, that amount of worry that you feel, it, that uncertainty, and that lack of confidence. And so it perpetuates those feelings. And that in and of itself is not great. And as you know, if you've ever been the person who has been in the throes of burnout or you've been in a, a space in your life where things just felt really hard for you and you felt really, really stuck, you know, more stuckness and more insecurity just creates more stuckness. So literally, when you say to yourself, I don't know what I want, what happens is that you stay stuck. And that's about the last thing that you do. So this is what I want to offer. This is exactly what's contributing to burnout. Stuckness contributes to burnout over time. Burnout is just the chronic interpersonal stress that continues to occur over time. And it has physical ramifications, which sometimes we see in eye twitches or this lack of apathy or a, um, a turning away from kind of the things that you have normally enjoyed doing and, and really looking at them like, ugh, I can't even do that. And why do I, I don't even care about that anymore, right? That's the end result of burnout. But that stuckness is, I think, the first thing that contributes to burnout uh, as it develops along the way. And certainly, you guys know, if you've seen my discussion of women who cultivate, we talk about this extensively in terms of burnout, the the systemic factors that contribute to burnout and the um, the theory that I have around burnout in terms of what contributes to it and, and that it's, it's not always just the person, it's not just always the system. Very often it's a combination of the person existing in the system um, that contributes to this, you know, chronic stress. But but if we are going to exert control where we can, then I would encourage you to consider, well, then if I don't want to stay stuck and I don't want to perpetuate those feelings of insecurity, then what would I do next? And so here's what I want you to consider. I want you to just become aware of, number one, how often that happens. Number two, I want you to show yourself some compassion in that moment of like, oh yeah, of course my brain is kind of telling me this old story. 
um, right? This old story that I have and, um, and it's bringing up this level of insecurity. Um, and my next step is to say, okay, am I okay with that? Am I okay with staying in this thought process and in, and creating this result of staying stuck or do I desire to change that up? And look, I just, I want to just, you know, before we even kind of get into this, what can we do about it? I just want to note, nothing's gone wrong here. It is not, it is totally a hundred percent normal. And you are not alone. If you are the person who is having this thought of, I don't know what I want. And it's bringing up these feelings of insecurity. And I, I just want to mention this because I think we, if we blow by it, we don't then shine light onto the the real issues that create feelings of insecurity in many women. And so let's just kind of note that there's a lot of reasons why women in particular in this society, but I think in many cultures across the world, feel uh, feel insecure. And you have to remember, I mean, even in the United States over the past hundred years, we have seen the narrative around women, really, and the idea of what women should do, be very, very focused on managing households, managing children, and getting dinner on the table. Women entered the workforce during the war in order to you know, maintain a society that, and an economy that was about to collapse because so many men had gone off to war and to fight in the war. Up until that point, there hadn't been a conversation around women being professional and women working outside of their homes. And I mean, it wasn't that long ago. This is just 100 years ago. So in the past 100 years, we have changed a good portion of that narrative about the ideas of where women exist and the work that they do and their the roles around um, whether or not they are in their homes or they work outside of their homes. But we also know that we still have these limiting structures, right? We still have a very impressive pay gap that exists between men and women. We still, we not only know that the pay gap is divided in terms of gender, but we also know that there are disparities when we look uh, on the intersection of gender and race. We know that, you know, so there's, there's a lot of a lot of systems that are in place that are creating some of the insecurity and the narrative has always been that look you know um there there's a there's a right way to be a woman in the world and there's a wrong way and you know you don't want to be on the wrong side of this right i mean and just think about it you can we can see this in the advertisements that we see you can you can think about the, you know, the the advent of Botox and you know this idea of how to fix your wrinkles and, you know, this very this ideal that is sold to us like, hey, there's this wonderful thing called Botox or neuromodulators that can you can inject into your face and fix those wrinkles, but wait a minute, don't put too much Botox in. Like, don't get your lips too big because you don't want to look fake. Right. It's this right. And then there's this there's this conversation about being sexy. Well, sure. Yes, of course, you should be, you know, dress in a way that makes you look good, accentuates all of your curves. But don't show too much breast. Don't show too much cleavage. Do not wear a skirt that is too short. You know, you don't want to look like a slut. Right. I mean, right. Like it is this very the, the narrative about how we are we ought to exist in the world what we should do whether it's where we should work or the focus that we should have 
not only extends to the work that we do, but it, it is just so pervasive in terms of the clothes we should wear, how much hair we should have on our bodies, how we should be sexy, the kinds of shoes that you should look. I mean, this is like why high heels were actually invented, right? The heel was actually invented to improve the uh, appearance of the calf so that it was more desirable for men, right? Like, and here we are like clicking, clacking around in these goddamn heels. And I, sometimes I think about like, why am I wearing these heels? Like, I got to make sure I wear these heels because I feel good about them, not because I am the object of desire for another, for a man, right? Like it's the same, same kind of conversation with makeup. So it's, you know, this is a very pervasive narrative. This is one that reminds us that we should be perfect. It sells us ways to become perfect, whether it's investing in products of going to the gym or investing in supplements that help us to lose weight or it, I mean uh, the conversation around bikinis and the body shame I mean it all comes back to this right this narrative that really fuels a lot of insecurity not only in again how women show up professionally but also I think in how we show up personally and so there's there's this ideal that we we are sold, right? And and that ideal is is absolutely elusive, and it is impossible to attain. It is literally impossible to be the the person who you are told to be by the media and by advertising, right? Like because there's always this, well, be some, but don't be too much, right? Be confident at work, but don't be too confident because you're gonna get labeled a bitch. And we can't have that. Be aggressive when you negotiate, but don't be too aggressive because you don't want to look like a power, you know, you don't want to look like, you know, like you're having a power struggle. Like you're, you don't want to be called a man. Like, right? Like it's it's an impossible standard. There's literally, it's impossible to attain this very elusive kind of uh, version of perfect. And what's so interesting very often with when we talk about insecurity and we talk about you know, these systems that exist and we talk about that are very often driven by, you know, patriarchal society or patriarchal model, we often then, we fight amongst each other. We, we, we turn it on ourselves. We judge ourselves. We shame ourselves because we aren't the people who have the size two body, you know, who can walk confidently down the runway, right? Or not even the runway, but like down the beach in a two-piece, and then we, right, and then what does society feed us? They just say, well, just get into a power pose. Just stand in front of the mirror and put your hands on your hips and do a power pose. Like, God, that one really gets me. That one literally gets me quite a bit. And you know why? The reason that it gets me so badly is because I did that. I literally went to power pose thinking that a power pose was going to help me feel less insecure, and it was going to help me get out of this funk and this, um, and out of that feeling of uncertainty and anxiousness and out of a lack of confidence. And it, that, uh, that uh, a damn power pose was going to do it. And, and so what happens, right? Not only do we, again, fight very often amongst each other, we also then turn it inward on ourselves. And we shame ourselves and we feel guilty and we try to fix ourselves and we tell ourselves, you know, we've got to you know, go into this ideal. So I know I've gotten a little bit deep on this idea of insecurity. And I also think that you can see that insecurity, the insecurity that you feel when you are looking at your next career move is directly a result of the insecurity 
that has been created by the, the systems in place in the world in which we live. So look, nothing's gone wrong here. You are not alone. If you are a, a woman and you have ever had that moment of insecurity, we're not here to judge it. We are not here to say, look at you, girl, you better get your shit together because that's terrible. It's terrible. No, not here to shame and not here to judge. It happens. It, the it, Even so much, right? Like I want you to just think about this. Deming says this, and if you've ever done lean methodology, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. So think about that, right? The, the, the systems that are in place that contribute to us, the bikini industrial complex, the, um, the narrative around how we should look, how we should act, the narrative around injectables and not having wrinkles and this constant, you know, youth is better. I mean, there's a reason, right? It's, it's, this system is perfectly in place because it perpetuates a lot of infighting and it perpetuates a lot of guilt and shame and it perpetuates inaction, for women in particular. So it's perfectly designed, especially if you're in a place of power. You're like, oh yeah, if we're in the place of power, what's the best way that we keep people out of their power? Well, we feed them all sorts of stories about how they should look and how they should act. And then they get really busy and then they get really upset. And they spend a lot of money and time trying to figure out how to do it. And then what happens that's so interesting is that they forget that there's this huge system in place. And so they don't bother us. And we stay in power and they stay stuck and they stay insecure. Right? This, every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. So you have to know that. And it's not your fault. <laughs> and if you become the person who says, then if that is true, if it is true that there's a narrative that's fed to me about being insecure, um, if there's a narrative and I've maybe taken some part in it, then if I were to take full responsibility and if I were to acknowledge that system to become aware of when it is working on me and my brain, then what would I do next? What would I do that literally smashes the patriarchy, right? What would I do that honors who I am and what I want? Am I willing to do that work? And what's I think possible is that when you begin to challenge the notion of that insecurity is just how you should feel. And you ask yourself, well, how do I want to feel? Right? So many of you, especially when we think of it in the professional lens, so many of you want to, I think, take what you have and you want to use it to your advantage. You want to create a lot of impact in the world. You look at the healthcare system and you're like, this place is so damn broken. It's terrible. My patients don't get what they need. I don't get what I need. I don't have the opportunity to have enough time with them. I don't have enough time to look through their charts and make sure I know everything that's going on with them. I, you know, I'm in this this model that incentivizes me to do more, to produce more RVUs, to see more patients, to, um, you know, increase my level of billing by maybe you know, prescribing more medications, right? And so, if you are the person who says, "Well, wait a minute," so how do I get out of this whole stuckness? and avoid going into burnout. And then if I am willing to become aware of this feeling of insecurity and I decide that I decline to feel that way again, or I am going to work on what else is possible, then the next step is to say, okay, well, what if I told myself that I know exactly what I want? 
what would that bring up, right? If I want to feel confident or powerful or I want to feel self-assured, then I think we have to start thinking, okay, well, then what could I think about the skills that I have, about the experience that I have, about the knowledge and wisdom that I have, about the ways in which my nursing career has prepared me for being a business person, right? And and many of you will say, but Anna, I don't have an MBA. And I, I just want to point out that you don't need an MBA to run a business and you don't need business knowledge to run a business or to open one. You don't. What you need is a service or a product that you that you find is uh, provides a solution to someone somewhere, and they are willing to exchange uh, something in the form usually of money for the value that you create. That's a business. Now look, are there a lot of ins and outs to business and tax structures and uh, savings accounts and profit first methodology and operating expenses? Yes, of course, of course. And I am happy to get into the weeds uh, with, with you to help you sort through all of that. However, at the foundation is that you have got to become the person who says, no, I decline to stay in this cycle of perpetuating my insecurity and staying stuck. And I, I decline to be there. And what I choose is to be the person who says, no, I know exactly what I want. And I never look outside of myself to try to figure it out. I never ask other people what I should be doing. I literally look within. I go deep into my heart. I rely on my faith. I ask a higher power if I believe that there is one that exists. And I not only ask, but I listen. And then I know and I hear. Now, some of us, we may ask and listen and hear. And we may not agree. We may say, no, 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 no. That's too big for me. No, I don't know about that. Now, that's a whole other conversation, right? Having, putting faith in when you decline to go externally and to allow the external world to dictate what you do, how you show up, um, and, and you go internally and you say, but what do I want? If I was going to use my strengths to my advantage, if I was going to combine my strengths with my experience, what, what could that look like? Right, because th- what happens when you become that person is that you don't s- you 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 don't stay stuck. You literally start to go out, and you show your your brain evidence of oh yeah, every day when I go in, if I'm the advanced practice nurse who works at Minute Clinic, every day that I go in and I run the operational side of my clinic, I'm literally showing myself exactly how to build a business and a private practice. Right, if you are the person who um, believes that. Um, that she knows exactly what she wants, you will follow your passions. You will become the person who gets clear on her mission. You will become the person who always uses her strengths to her advantage. And the beauty of that is that that's when you make magic, right? So so consider this. There's these two ways to operate in the world. There's this very familiar narrative that exists. There's this the feeling of insecurity there that uh, results in a lot of fatigue and exhaustion and frustration and disgruntlement. And then there's this other way, this other way, which would say that, oh, no, I can, I can use my experience and my expertise and I know just what I want and I know exactly how to figure it out. 
And I may not know all the steps to get from here to there, but I sure as hell know that I'm up for the challenge and I'm going to go all in. And I'm going to surround myself with people who are doing something similar. And I'm going to ask for help from somebody who's been there, who's been down that road and can support me in my journey. And that's when we make magic. So consider that you now know why you're stuck. You also understand what happens and why it's so easy to perpetuate that feeling of staying stuck. You also understand now, I think from a better, I hope from a better lens, why insecurity drives uh, the behavior and, and really why so many of us feel insecure. I also hope that you understand that you have options and that you have some choices that you can make in terms of if you are willing to become a person who says, but maybe it's possible that I do know what I want, that there is a whole other world that is waiting for you. There's a whole second portion of your career that you've not even stepped into that is so possible and it's so close and it's literally one thought away, right? Like that's what I hope you take away from this. Oh, I, if I'm willing to change the way that I think, if I'm willing to become the person who is aware of how she feels and then becomes intentional about what she is willing to do to change it, then I can make magic happen. And that, I think, is the antithesis of staying stuck, right? So if you are somebody who struggles with insecurity, again, you're not alone. And I invite you to come over to Women Who Cultivate because we talk so much about exactly how to become the person who knows what she wants and who is unabashedly and unapologetically willing to go get it. We talk about that process. We talk about all of the bumps in the road that come along with it. We talk about the process of starting that next chapter and starting the next phase. We talk about how to take your nursing license and use it to your advantage. We talk about how to take what is within you, all of your unique strengths that are given to you by your higher power, by the universe, by God, and we talk about how to use them to your advantage, how to double down on them so that you can become the person who, instead of being stuck and instead of being filled with insecurity, perpetuates feelings of confidence and power and who knows exactly how to make magic. So come check us out. More info at www.anconkleycnm.com. And I hope this was supportive to you. Remember, I don't know what I want, just creates more stuckness. So let's kick that one to the curb and let's agree going forward, I will not engage in that bullshit thinking anymore. Okay? All right. I will see you next time. Take care.